0: Hey listeners, today I speak with Jameel, the co-founder of Silk Road Rising, a theater company located in downtown Chicago, dedicated to presenting plays written by individuals of Asian and Middle Eastern descent. I met Jameel during community coffee at the Joan Mitchell Center in New Orleans. He's currently an artist-in-residence there, and he's the only non-visual artist-in-residence at this time. If you're interested in learning more about Silk Road Rising, they have an upcoming event at the Joan Mitchell Center, Wednesday, May 1st, at 7pm. It's a viewing of their new production, Obstacle Course. Thank you and enjoy. So thanks so much for joining me today. It was great getting to know you at the uh, JMC's Community Coffee. Uh, I was hoping that you could...
1: Oh, absolutely. Likewise.
0: I was hoping that you could share with the listeners sort of our basic conversation that we had there that uh, it really blew me away based on the work that you're doing with Silk Road Rising, uh, its history in Chicago, and what you're doing down here in New Orleans.
1: Uh, Definitely. Uh, So Silk Road Rising is a Chicago-based theater and uh, media arts company. A nonprofit, non nonprofit company, and we uh, we were co founded by myself and my husband Ali uh in 2002, really as an activist, a sort of intentional activist and in artistic response uh, to the attacks of September 11th, 2001, um, and particularly the ideology that spawned the attack, uh, as well as the anti Arab, anti Muslim, anti South Asian backlash uh, that quickly ensued. Um, so we wanted to uh, reclaim representation and really position um, Islam, Middle Eastern peoples um, in, in a very pluralistic context um, you know uh, really as a rejection of this myopic ideology that uh, that produced uh, the violence and uh, and we started looking at connections between peoples of um, of the Middle East, of South Asia, and the historic Silk Road—these trade routes that stretched from China to Syria, Japan to Italy—if you include the sea routes—became um, a very compelling, a very intriguing model for us. You know, how can we look at what we essentially call cultural interchange? Um, and so we adopted the name Silk Road, uh, Silk Road Theater Project originally, later Silk Road Rising. Um, to really capture both the, the metaphoric quality of the self Road um, as this kind of model of polyculturalism, what happens when cultures engage, intersect, overlap, um, collide, um, and also as a geographic guide for the stories that we tell. Um, we focus mostly on, um, we a playwright-centric theater. Uh, the playwrights we work with are of Asian and Middle Eastern backgrounds Uh, And the protagonists that they create, or the central characters, are also of Asian and Middle Eastern background. So you as an audience member are taking a journey with a Korean person, with an Indian person, with an Arab person, uh, whatever the case may be. And and that becomes your sort of point of entry into the story. Um, I think it's also important to add that we don't do what I oftentimes call celebratory work, which is essentially... Um, oh, isn't it great to be Iranian, or isn't it great to be Israeli, um, or you know Chinese? Um, but it's more complicated, three dimensional um, depictions of you know the human condition and the challenges we face and the inconsistencies and contradictions uh, that we all embody
0: was the uh, the intersectionality aspect of this business there from the start or was that something that developed along the way when we spoke you brought uh, you showed me and told me about your first production i'm blanking on the name of it uh which was the female female romance between the israeli woman and the palestinian woman who led a discussion group to open dialogue uh, so was yes. this this was very important to you from the start or did the intersectionality aspect of it just develop organically
1: I'm glad you're asking that question. And you know, I don't think that uh, that production is a, uh, you're referring to a play called Precious Stones, that actually I wrote, uh, and that was our inaugural production as a uh, a theater company. Uh, I I think that intersectionality, and it was not necessarily a term we were using back in 2003, uh, is very much baked in the DNA you know, the consciousness of, of the company. Uh, and a story like Precious Stones, which is really grappling with, um, you know, national issues, issues of identity, however they play out in terms of ethnicity, religion, sexuality, gender, class, um, was a very organic story for me to write uh, because so many of the activists who work on uh, peace and justice in Israel and Palestine uh, who have influenced me uh, are women. And uh, a number of them are queer women. Um, so I, I felt that you know people who uh, embrace the totality of their beings in a very integrative, holistic manner as opposed to uh, cordoning off um, or separating particular identities was really important uh, for this story to come through. Uh, so I I like to think that really throughout our 16 year history of, of producing both theater and um, uh, and di- and digital work, we have been you know either subconsciously in some cases, other cases very consciously intersectional uh, in our approach.
0: So has your theater company become sort of a, a leader in this? Small community of Chicago for these discussions to take place. Do you have a recurring membership who, of people who come to every production, who are involved and speak with you and your partner after every production, or are actively working with the artists and writers who are creating the plays?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that we've had an influence, um, an impact, uh, well beyond our size. You know, we are probably on the lower end of what they call a mid-sized theater company, just, you know, in terms of, in terms of budget. Um, I, I would say that the Chicago theater community is actually quite uh, robust. You know, there's over 200 companies uh, in greater Chicagoland, uh, and it's a very unique theater community in that, you know, you have people who essentially move to Chicago from all parts of the country. Uh, to work in theater and it's also a new play town, you know a a lot of new work is developed in Chicago emerging playwrights uh, and Chicago theater will take a lot of risk. Um, I think we've had a definite impact in terms of expanding the conversation about diversity, expanding the conversation about representation, and really you know the importance of integrating Silk Road voices um, into this kind of, you know, this canon of dramatic storytelling. Uh, and we're also tied to a number of national organizations, a national initiative, um, you know, to impact the theater uh, in, in these ways.
0: What's it like working with your spouse? Uh, <laughs> what's it like to, to never really get an escape from work or from home life that you, everything you do is just sort of connected?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is such a recurring theme in terms of, um, you know, sort of how we address, negotiate, navigate uh, work life <laughs> divide because, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, there hasn't been a work life <laughs> divide uh, for a good number of years. Um, I, I think, and, and the two, you know, are our, our, our personal. Identities themselves become so enmeshed and and conflated with the work of self Um, You know, I I think that any anytime uh, one is a founder of a of a company um, and really of a of a movement, uh, in many ways, I mean, we are you know among the founders, if you will, uh, of of a broader movement. Um, uh, it, it, it does. It does take over and um, for better and for worse. Uh, so while I am, you know, really understand my own identity so much in relation to the company, um, I'm also an artist. Um, you know, I, I support artists as a producer, as an artistic director. We, we've worked with over a hundred playwrights, um, you know, and that's very important to us, the cultivation of new voices and new stories. Uh, but I also am uh, in need of, of etching out time to create my own work. And I'm fortunate that I now have, you know, a company that will support the creation uh, of my work. And, you know, I'm here in New Orleans at the Joan Mitchell Center uh, for a month uh, to work on a new writing project, which is actually an, a narrative podcast um, that we're going to develop and then, uh Uh, the plan is to start taping it uh, in the fall and to start um, uh, releasing episodes after New Year's. So um, that has probably been the trickiest part for me um, because on the one hand, I feel so invested in the voices of of the playwrights that we work with and by extension, the directors, the actors, the designers, you know, the entire production team. Um, that's so important to us. Um, On the other hand, um, you know, we are a couple, and we've been together for over uh, 22 years, um, uh, the greater part of which, you know, 16 years now, uh, we've been running this this company. So, you know, we are forever um, (laughs) looking to sort of... (laughs) tweak our realities in a way that allow for, um, uh, you know, some non-soul <laughs> birth. Know, and, and every now and then we are, uh, we're privileged to enjoy that. Um,
0: do you find that it's a difficult balance to be a facilitator for young creatives who are looking to get their own voice narratives out there while also trying to balance your own creative work?
1: Yeah, you know, I and mean, I think that um, we made a commitment and it's a very, uh, it's a, you know, it's, it's a genuine commitment to that, that cultivation, you know, and to finding new artists, um, identifying uh, exciting and unique voices and, uh, you know, that has really branded us as a company. Also, you know, as an artist, uh, I think all artists are constantly learning from other artists, and we're constantly learning um, from the processes of uh, of creating art. So you know there are plays that and playwrights that we, uh, for example, this fall we are developing, we are producing um, uh, Fuad Timur's play Twice Right. Uh Fuad is a Chicago-based uh, uh, playwright, originally from Egypt. Um uh Twice Thrice is a, a very smart uh funny play. Um uh and and that poses a lot of interesting questions about polygamy uh within Islam. And uh I have had an attachment to I mean I don't draw for years, but I've had an involvement with this play for the last few years, uh you know, a series of table reads and stage readings and uh you know draft after draft, uh, and that's been really critical for me, um, you know, on, on a personal uh, artistic level, but also, you know, in terms of, you know, here's a voice that we want to, that we think is important, that we think is, um, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's definitely within the emerging playwright uh, category. And uh, uh, so I, I, I would, I would hate to not be able to support uh, his work.
0: So what's, I guess based on this, from what you're saying, is um, bringing out own voices, do you see as far as the future growth of your business, it's going to be bringing on more writers, more creatives, or what sort of uh, trajectory trajectory do you see for your uh, future growths, both uh, short and long term goals?
1: Well, definitely uh, digital media. So um, we, we produce what we call video plays, uh, and a video play is essentially a hybrid of theatrical language and theatrical aesthetic with uh, the cinematic games. Uh, you know, the, uh, we like to think of, of it as the best of both worlds, you know, kind of drawing from what we love about film and what we love about theater, and they're pieces that are actually shot in our theater space, and uh, you as a viewer are, are aware of that. Uh, and, and if I may, for a second here, uh, make a make a plug.
0: Oh, please um, do.
1: Joe Mitchell Center is hosting a screening of our latest video play, which I wrote, uh, called Obstacle Course, um, uh, on on Wednesday, May first, uh, at seven p.m in the Indigo building here at John Mitchell 2275 uh, Vine Road, New Orleans, Um, and it's free and it's open to the public and uh, you you don't have to RSVP, we we hope uh, you and your listeners uh, will will join us for that. Um, An obstacle course, just real quick, is a uh, is a story about a proposed mosque in a suburb of Chicago, um, and the controversy, uh, resistance, backlash, um, that it, uh, you know, unwittingly provoked. Uh, so it's kind of looking at this phenomena of uh, organized resistance to the building of, of mosques, and it was definitely written um, in allyship with Muslim communities that are struggling with, you know, this this kind of resistance. Um, so yeah, I mean, we definitely we see ourselves uh, increasing our digital work. I mentioned a podcast, and that will be the first that will be our first, you know, foray into the world of podcasting. Um, and uh, something that I'm very excited about is we're going to be going into communities. Um, at, we've already done some of this work, we're definitely going to increase it uh, and to really empower community members um, to tell their own stories, you know, to become playwrights if you will. We have a, uh, uh, an education program in Chicago Public Schools, with a number of Chicago Public Schools called EPIC, which is an empathic playwriting intensive course, in which we work with elementary and high school age uh, students. Uh, to learn about playwriting and to develop a 10-minute play which at the end of the class we bring in professional actors to perform their plays um, and we video them so they become available to to the students and their their families and and friends so we want to take that to a, a whole new level where we're working in, in communities um you know, under the under the assumption that you know we're all storytellers, we all have stories to tell. We all we all are potential playwrights. Um, and a community that we're going to be working in, we've we've already been working in, and we're going to um, introduce. We're going to sort of roll out this class. Uh, is a community called West Ridge, which is on the far north side of Chicago. Um, it's one of the most ethnically um, racially. Religiously, economically, linguistically uh, diverse communities in the United States. Um, it's home to a large uh, South Asian population, uh, uh, Muslim, Hindu, Sikh, uh, Christian. It's large. It's home to a large uh, Orthodox Jewish population, um, uh, Hasidic Jewish population. It's home into uh, uh, an African population, as well as an African-American population, a Latinx population, a Middle Eastern, a Syrian uh, uh, population. So here you have, in three and a half square miles, this neighborhood of 65,000 people, tremendous diversity. Um, And we've been working with different institutions, leadership, organizations, faith groups, schools uh, in the community to really help. tell their stories, because one of the challenges in West Ridge is that you have these diverse communities, many of which are very socially conservative, um, who do not have relationships with each other, who, you know, might live next to each other, but aren't aren't necessarily communicating. And we want to be part of that process of of creating stronger Mm -hmm. bonds and relationships within the community.
0: So you ultimately see your organization as a bridge builder. It's not just a creative endeavor, but it is meant to spark real conversations among diverse communities and create dialogue that isn't there.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that you know, from from day one, you know, right after the attacks of nine eleven, we Malik and I had a very strong sense that you know our world. Malik is of a uh, Pakistani Muslim background. Uh, I'm of a Syrian Christian background on my father's side. Um, You know, we we knew that our world had been uh, changed and were going to change in in all sorts of ways. And we wanted to, we didn't want the people who perpetrated this horrible crime uh, to hijack um, uh, a religious tradition, to hijack censure of relationships between free um, communities and cultures and belief systems and, and so forth. Uh, and, and we recognize that storytelling, particularly live theater, um, was a way to create an environment in which people could talk and explore and share feelings and fears and hopes. Um, we never wanted to police people's thoughts. We never wanted to feed someone a politic you know, we operate with the assumption that everyone is able to arrive at their own conclusions. Everyone is informed by their own experiences, but we want to we want to be part of a process where people can evolve um, and where people can can gain a greater appreciation for one another.
0: No, I I see that that definitely that definitely makes sense to me. And I guess my question then is: You said that you don't do celebratory work. Uh, is there an outline process that you see amongst the writers or is it all stemmed from asking a question and throwing characters into this question and just seeing how they can get out of it. Essentially the Stephen King approach of he doesn't outline, he just develops a character and watches them scramble midway through a story.
1: Well, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I think, I think each writer has their own approach and each writer has their own um, uh, Concern in terms of this is a question. I want to probe, or this is uh, This is a story that you know, I, I need to tell because it's connected to uh, X Y and Z um, I, I, I Know that the work that we are drawn to is work that we feel challenged by um, And that we learn from I mean, I have produced you know, we've produced some plays um, that you know, just on a very visceral level, uh, make us uncomfortable, or I, you know, I've read some plays where I'm like, wow, this is, this is really making me out of my comfort zone. Uh, that's probably a good thing. Um, and uh, so I, I, I don't, I don't know that I can give you a, a definitive um, answer to, to th- that particular question in that Uh, You know, I see it as as my role, you know, when I'm working with a writer uh, and working with a team to pose particular questions, you know, and and if there are areas that are unclear or if there are areas that feel somehow um, uh, inconsistent or, you know, information that's not necessarily connecting, uh, you know, we're always going to hire a dramaturg. We're always going to have a dramaturg on on the team. and you know, it, it becomes that person's role and my role as a as a producer uh, to flag these things, you know, and, and then you know we, we put work in front of audiences before we actually fully produce it. So this is the great gift of, of public stage readings and in house table reads um, is being able, you know, to get feedback from audiences in the development process. Um, uh, this isn't working for me. This isn't making sense. I was confused about this. Um, you know, I, I need more backstory here. And, you know, obviously, it is at the beginning and end of the day, the playwright's play. Uh, it's not my play to write for the playwright or, uh, or anyone else's play, but, but, you know, we've seen writers really affected by feedback they get. Uh, in, in, a, in a highly construct, in a very constructive way, and we've also seen cases where feedback can be unhelpful, or where feedback can can distract or um, derail a project. You know, because because the writer um, you know becomes very fixated on on a, an insight or a perspective. So I I, I think that you know in the workplace we want to nurture a very open space where people feel Um, empowered and uh, you know permitted uh, to share their opinions their reactions those questions all of that on the other hand I also you know find myself a bit defensive or protective you know on on behalf of the writer um, because you know you don't want to cross a certain line you don't want to you don't want to violate the the spirit, the the essence of this person's voice. It's hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and and writers they can be a little, um, maybe maybe insecure is not the best word, but I understand what you mean that they they can fix, they can over fixate, they can over analyze, they can get trapped in their own head and essentially implode. So I, I definitely see the dangers of uh trying to mess too much with the message they are trying to portray in their words
1: yeah and you know it is a tricky balance and you you just use the word insecure and uh uh you know i I think we're all pretty insecure
0: (laughs) yeah it's a commentary
1: (laughs) you know i mean those you know we're all trying to uh we're with, with creating art, we're telling stories, where, um, and there is a fragility, and there is a rawness and a tenderness, and um, I mean, I've, I've, I've sat in so many talkback discussions, both at Silk Road and at other theaters, and, and there have been those times when somebody in the audience or somebody will say something just, you know, inappropriate or hostile or you know, counterproductive and uh, you know, I mean I've intervened on many occasions and just said, okay, we're not we're not entertaining that question or that is not uh and and of course on the one hand I hate feeling sensoriness, but on the other hand, um, you know, I'm just cognizant of the person next to me and how they're hearing or receiving that information. We're not saying it's a love fest. Like, oh, it was wonderful. Everything was great. You know, if there's no, <laughs> it's a perfect play. That's also completely unhelpful and counterproductive. Um, but I think that we should all respect where an artist is is, is coming from, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I talk a lot about positionality, uh, and I think that that is that is important, you know, that we are all informed by our family history, by our cultural backgrounds, our religious backgrounds, um, you know, any number of, 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 of circumstances and, and, and realities, we all inherit memory. Many of us inherit trauma, um, and, and that, that fuels the art. Um, you know, early on in Silk Road's history, Malik and I were taken aside by um, uh, just some primarily women from some of the Asian and Middle Eastern communities who, who said in hushed tones, uh, you, you guys need to be talking about domestic violence. Uh, you guys need to be talking about you know, sexual violence or child abuse. Uh, and you know, we heard this, we received this message enough times that yes, uh, you know, we we hear you, we agree, and and so we have worked with um, artists who are survivors of uh, uh, sexual assault and, and domestic violence, um, and uh, have helped them develop pieces, and and that is a very fragile. You know, that you have to be very careful and 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 sensitive because. You know it's so difficult to talk about personal pain or trauma to begin with, it goes to a whole other level if you're putting it out in front of an audience. Um, and you know, I, I dealt with a situation where uh, a, a woman had developed a piece of really beautiful, piece, well, twice uh, in this particular piece, um, uh, or there were two, I'm sorry, there were two. Two particular cases where uh, about pieces that dealt with domestic violence um, and surviving domestic violence, and there was some pushback from people in the audience who questioned the truthfulness of the story. Did this really happen? Are you exaggerating? Are you making this up? Uh, um, you know, which is probably the worst thing you can say to uh, a survivor. And, you know, in those cases, I would just cut off um, the, the question, and, you know, um, because it's, it was so hurtful.
0: No, I, I understand where you're coming from. It's, it's important to welcome all input while at the same time drawing incredibly clear boundaries that everyone knows not to cross. Um, it, it's an old cliche, but it's good fences make good neighbors. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. And on that note, I just want to say one last time, thank you so much for joining me today on this podcast. If you wanted to plug your, uh, your viewing one more time, I would love to just sort of send the audience off with that information.
1: Great, thank you. Yes, um, uh, Wednesday, May 1st at 7 p.m. at the Joan Mitchell Center, in the Indigo Building, uh, 2275 Bay Road here in New Orleans. Uh, A screening followed by a conversation of uh, my video play obstacle course. And I hope to see you there. And thank you, Ari, so much for having me uh, on your program. I, I really appreciate this opportunity.
0: Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, listeners, just wanted to take a moment and thank you so much for listening to our show. Really, thank you so much. Your support truly means the world. If you like this podcast, please leave us a review. And if you're not already subscribed, you can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and Stitcher.